fake a handoff, Garoppolo gets the middle, break over the 30, 25-20, and the right 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Adam Gray. Welcome to episode 15 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On this week's episode, we wrap up our Eastern Illinois Athletics Hall of Fame series with our fifth inductee for the class of 2020, Adam Drake. A local product from Charleston High School, Drake went on to have a superb career playing for the Panthers, twice earning All-American honors on the football field. We talked to Drake about that experience, his youthful encounter with EIU legend Tony Romo, and what he has been up to post-football. First, we would like to thank this week's EIU Corporate Partners of the Week, Alliance Tractors and East Bay. Alliance Tractors is a local John Deere dealer with Illinois locations in Mattoon, Casey, and Newton, along with a dealer in Vincennes, Indiana. East Bay is a proud sponsor of EIU Athletics. To get in the game, visit eastbay.com for all your sporting goods needs. In EIU Athletics news this week, the Ohio Valley Conference released its preseason all-conference teams and predicted order of finish for both men's and women's basketball. In addition, schedules for the 2021 season for basketball are now available. For more information, visit us online at eiupanthers.com or follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. If you like this episode of EIU Panthers podcast and want to hear more, like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio podcast. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with 2020 Hall of Fame inductee and former EIU football wide receiver, Adam Drake. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're going to wrap up our EIU Hall of Fame series here, our, our fifth and final inductee, former EIU wide receiver, Adam Drake. Adam, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, I've, I've done this question and it'd be you know, remiss not to do it with with you as, as the fifth one, but I kind of, I'm always interested from a Hall of Famer's standpoint, somebody that's being inducted, kind of what it was like to receive that call from from Tom Michael to kind of let you know that, that you were going to be inducted into the EIU Hall of Fame. Obviously, I'm extremely honored to get the call. Um, I think it carries a little more, at least for me personally, it carries a lot of weight because I obviously grew up in Charleston and I grew up going to the elementary schools and having the EIU football players come in and talk to us and Tony Romo coming in. And I remember Tony Romo writing on a napkin for me and saying, you know, good luck with the rest of your fifth grade year. And uh, all those memories combined and to finally get that call is a pretty cool feeling and, and all the support that I have with my family my sister, my mom, my dad, and the whole town. Um, it's cool to, to get some recognition for that, definitely. And now, ironically, you'll be a Hall of Famer with Tony Romo. I'm sure that when he, would, he was writing that and you were in fifth grade, you were looking <laughs> up and say, you know, he, he's a pretty good quarterback. I don't know if you knew he was going to turn into what he did. And I'm sure if he looked back, he's like that, that little fifth grader. He, he's not going to be the guy that he was on the football field. Yeah, I'm not sure he probably remembers writing on that napkin, but – it, it all happens in such an odd way, right? Like I remember even freshman, even sophomore year, you're like, there's no, I remember freshman year looking at Eric Laura and Chris Wright and, uh, and Kenny. You remember Kenny? Yep. I remember Kenny, but. Why can't I think of his last name? Whitaker, I think. Whitaker. Yep. That's right. I remember looking at those three cause they were superstars. Like they were started freshman year. I remember like in awe of those guys and thinking to myself, there's no way that, I'll ever be that good. 
and you know like it just kind of happens you know yep. the right opportunities come into play and you bust your ass and things work out and then the, the follow-up question i've had to do with with all all four people and this one like you said maybe hits home a little bit more for you being from charleston is then you get the the awful call for me or a text in, in some situations that says unfortunately because of the covid situation we're not having football this year and we're not going to be able to induct you in november what kind of you're you're getting married and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the program but kind of what went through your mind there that now you're not going to maybe get to have this big moment maybe how you envisioned it when you first got that call the first my first thought was like a disappointment in that happening because I knew that it would happen eventually it's more for the guys who are playing this season you know and to think about all the high school and college athletes and all the athletes period who aren't getting to play their senior year or are getting a shorter season or whatever it may be. Um, it, it's okay with me, you know, like one day it'll happen. I'll be super proud and honored and excited to be in that moment. But, and I know that moment will come. It was, it's more disappointing for those kids, you know? Yep. Now you mentioned this already, what a, what a big honor it kind of is. You of course grew up here in Charleston, your family, people know, your mom, your, your dad, your, your sister that, that are around town, they're, they're active in a lot of different things. We're very active when you were a player at both at the high school and college level, being, being there, being very supportive. What did it, what is it, what did it mean for you coming from Charleston high school and first getting to have that opportunity to, to play at Eastern? Is, is that the school you maybe always wanted to go to, or was that just a great opportunity that worked out for you? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it was kind of like a dream come, come true. I, I didn't have a ton of offers, but towards the end of my senior year season, I did have a couple, one of them being a full ride to Southeast Missouri. And at the time, Eastern was not offering me a full ride. And I remember I was in a, like a, this health class where I do half of the day at the hospital because I wanted to be a doctor originally. So I was in the last part of the day and we were supposed to leave for SEMO. My dad was going to fly us and we were going to go do an official visit there. And I remember we got like an inch and a half of snow on the ground. It wasn't even that much. And my dad looked at me and was like, do you think we should go? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm going to Eastern. <laughs> so I think in the back of my mind, I, I was pretty excited to even get any sort of offer from Eastern because it was kind of like a dream come true growing up in that town. Now for you, unique here, and I'm going to not ask you, I guess, a little bit of perspective on it, but one of the few guys that based on how coaching happened here at Eastern. You played for all three, you played for three different head coaches. You were recruited and played under Coach Foo. So you were part of his final go uh, farewell tour, played two years under Coach Babers during some very successful years, and then played under Coach Dameron your third year. As a player, what was that like to play for, I guess, three different coaches? And really, when you look at their offenses, three different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great question. Uh, so my first year when, it, when I was with coach Spoo and coach Wiki and those guys, that was, there wasn't a lot of pressure, right. As a redshirt freshman, you're just kind of like getting as big as and strong as you can and going through the ropes, being taught things. Um, things started definitely to get a little dicey whenever coach Babers came into play. Cause I had my redshirt freshman year, which that's the year you just focus on getting big, getting stronger, getting faster, having a little bit of fun when you can. Um, and watching the games from the sideline. And then my official freshman year, I remember Lawrence Ricks 
he got injured. I think it was like an ankle injury. And so I ended up coming in the second half of the season and had a couple of good catches. I don't know, maybe two, 300 yards. But to me, that was like the biggest deal ever. Yeah. And so you look forward to the next year, right? And you talk to Coach Wiki and all the coaches that were there and they're pumping you up. And they're like, yeah, you're, you know, next year is going to be your year, going to be one of our top guys. And then Coach Babers comes into play and basically just like dropped that all in my head. And for good reason, right? Like he, I think that I would attest a lot of my ability to him as a coach um, and how he pushed me. But that was definitely the first time I had faced real adversity in my life um, when he would basically tell me like, those are the worst routes I've ever seen, you know, and you're sitting here like, what? how could you be so close the year before? Uh, and the coaches are telling you all these great things. And then someone who ends up being a wide receiver specialist really knows how to nitpick and dial things in. And at first it's definitely like an ego shock where you're like, what do you, what are you saying to me, man? Come on. And the way he approached it, I didn't always agree with, but at the end of the day, um, he definitely absolutely hundred percent made me the wide receiver that I ended up being. Uh, Cause I definitely didn't have all like the speed and agility um, and the raw talent that a lot of people had, but he taught me all the tools um, to succeed. And then going on to coach Dameron, he just let me fly. Um, he did a really good job. I think at least with me personally, um, selfishly coming in, he just kind of let me do what I had learned from coach Babers and didn't overcoach me and was happy to have me. I was happy to have him and kind of let me, let me loose. And we had some fun. Now you, you kind of, you talk about, you, you had what you thought was a, a really good year and, you know, two, 300 yards isn't a bad bad year for for a wide receiver especially when you're not the the feature guy your junior year becomes the the senior year for Eric Lohr kind of the breakout year for EIU football ranked number two in the country what was it I guess like it's described to somebody that watched it what it was like on the player standpoint of I've heard Mike Brad who does the games he essentially describes it as kind of watching a trying to watch a video game where everybody's just scoring all the time what, did, what was your impression of a player when you were out there, when you guys were playing in that type of offense? We're not, when we were dominating, <laughs> that, uh, that is one of the coolest plays I've ever had. Once We didn't really know what, our, what we were capable of the first probably two or three games, and then you start to gain the momentum. You're like, oh, my gosh, we can literally score almost whenever we want on any team whenever we want, you know? And uh, I think that that was probably the most confident I'd ever been in my, in a, in a team period. Um, even now, I mean, work any team prior to that, even though up to now, I think that's the most confident I felt as a unit uh, with any group of guys before it was a cool feeling. Now you've got a guy like that. And, and, you know, Eric Laura has the year he has as, as a soft or your sophomore year setting the record for FCS catches in a season so when you're coming out that next year offenses or or defenses are going to try to take him away how much do you think that having I guess a quote-unquote primary receiver maybe helped develop your game a little bit there during your junior year and then you know thus probably set you up for the some of some of the success you had as a senior yeah I think it ended up being a really good mix between the two of us and I, I don't think that I knew what really what type of receiver I was going to be. Obviously, Eric knew that he was like a really successful slot receiver who was really, really good with yards after the catch, um, which was 
not where I was good at, but where I was good at was always catching the ball and big bodying people and jumping over people and making the deep ball play um, and kind of being consistent, which he was always too. But I think that we complemented each other really well. And it just happened to fall into place that once we got into game two and three, he was running the short routes and taking them for 80 yards. And then I run the post corner or one of those posts and I'd use the techniques that Faber had taught me. And um, I think having both of us on the field kind of allowed our offense to run as a full unit. Then for you, because of those successes, you end up earning All-American honors two different times. What was different maybe between the first time you got the accolade and the second time, or was there any difference in the in how that how you received those? Um, no, I mean comparing like whenever I got it junior yeah, to just, senior yeah, year. Just, I mean, and how how I mean, I, I'm guessing the first time was kind of maybe unexpected to you, but the the second time, did you maybe feel that? Was there a different feeling that when you repeated as an All-American? There's, I feel like there's always more pressure. Like the better you do, the more pressure you put on yourself the next year. Cause you're like, well, I have to live up to that expectation. You know um, I think the first time I got it was, it was definitely very unexpected. I've always had like a weird mindset um, with football and when I'd be successful that I just was, thought that I was lucky in some type of way. Like I was lucky that I jumped at the right time to catch that ball and didn't really give myself enough credit. So I think the first time around when I did get that, it was kind of like a little, not really a sigh of relief, but it was definitely really rewarding and, and a cool feeling. And then for you, so you, so you finished playing, had a very successful career at Eastern. You finish in the top two and three in between receptions, career touchdowns, career yards in the top 10 in the OBC and a couple of those categories as well. Had an opportunity and we'll, we'll call it a cup of coffee for, to at a, at a sniff at, at a pro career. You, I know you had a workout with New Orleans. We're in camp with Kansas City for, I think, maybe for an exhibition game or two. What was mm -hmm. just that experience like getting that opportunity and getting that close to, to maybe fulfilling that dream? Yeah, no, that was, that was an amazing experience. Um, I think that mentally I was kind of out of it, out of it at that point. Um, I think that if I could go back with the mental state that I'm in now, uh, things could be much better potentially. Um, that was like my first time really, really, really being away from home. I remember I went to Dallas to train for three months and I loved the experience because I was exercise science. And then when I moved to Arizona, I, I was a personal trainer for two years before I got this job with Johnson and Johnson. So working out and exercise physiology, that was my passion. So I loved going to Dallas. And then after Dallas, I went to Arizona and trained there for three months um, and loved that experience. And uh, so then after I went from Arizona, I went and tried out with the Chiefs and they ended up signing me. Um, just for those couple of months that I was there. But um, I definitely wish that I could go back and change my mindset a little bit because I was kind of down and out on it and ready to be done with football. Um, it'd be fun to have another shot, but everything happens for a reason. So, you know, you learn from it and move on. Now, I always think it's interesting when you see, now you get to watch football on Sunday afternoon, you're out of it. I'm, I'm assuming you watch a little bit there. What is it like to turn on the game as a guy that used to play and watch not one, but two guys that you used to play with now in the NFL? Jimmy, of course, having his success with the 49ers, but also Kamu Grugier-Hill 
with with the Dolphins, different sides of the ball. You you probably matched up a little bit more maybe in practice against Kamu, whereas you were always receiving balls from Jimmy in practice. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. It's always super fun to see your friends out there showing up and playing in the NFL. I name drop both their names as many times as I can in the OR. <laughs> um, I'm in medical device now, so okay. a lot of my days I'm I'm in the OR with the surgeons. And a lot of orthopedic surgeons are very like sports friendly, right? They deal, a lot of them are even, you know, some of the doctors for the Bears. And when I was in Arizona, there are some of the doctors for um, the Cardinals out there. So it's always fun to see their reaction. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I was a wide receiver for Jimmy. Like, what? <laughs> so more than anything, it's fun to name drop a little bit and said that you, you know, used to be buddies with those guys. Very cool. Now you, you touched on a little bit there, you, you kind of what you're doing now, you're in some medical sales there. How did you kind of get in into that field? You're in the Chicago area now, and we talked beforehand. I know you were you were in Arizona at one point in time, and had to met, had to relocate to. Had it's going to sound like a bad word when when your fiance hears this, but you relocated <laughs> um, for her to to be closer to where she where she needs to be for her career. And now you're up in the Chicago area. How did you kind of get into the the current field you're in? Yeah. So uh, like I said, I was kind of jumbling in my words, but when I was in Arizona for those three months training, I ended up going back home and I just enjoyed my time so much in Arizona. So I thought like I should just move out there. All my friends are moving to Chicago and um, I was very lucky growing up with my parents and, and I was super fortunate. And I just, uh, I had a, a really like hard feeling that I needed to do something by myself without the help or comfort of my family, my friends, um, all those things. So I just called this gym out in Arizona and I had my personal training certification. I did exercise science and kinesiology. So I called this gym and ended up going out there for an interview and they hired me. So I decided to move out to Arizona. And so I'm at the gym. I worked there for two years and met a lot of amazing people there that kind of helped me um, moving to a new place, knowing no one, you know, and just helped me kind of figure out my next step and who I wanted to be and things like that. And one of them, his name was Brian, came up to me one day and he said, is this what you, you know, is this what you want to do forever? Be a trainer. I'm like, I love it, but no, it's not really what I want to do forever. And he just hooked me up with one of his buddies, Mark. And so I ended up meeting Mark and he was on Depuce Synthes, which is a medical device company. Uh, we sell plates and screws and hip nails and all that good stuff. Um, so I hit it off with Mark and then he introduced me to his team and I got the job from there. Very good. Now you're yeah. up in the, now you're up in the Chicago area. We mentioned that you, you touched touch briefly on Arizona. You are engaged. So congratulations about that. But you're, you're engaged to somebody that I think people familiar with, Thank you. with, with Eastern Illinois will, will possibly know the name. They'll at least know um, your fiance's father, father, John Smith, who was an administrator here at EIU for a long time. Also uh, the defensive coordinators for the Panthers. I know your family and the Smith family have been friends for a long time as well. So I guess how long have you known Natalie? You guys, your friendship is much longer than you guys just recently probably dating and getting engaged. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I can run you through it. So our friendship really isn't though, honestly, we, we didn't really, I didn't really, I went on vacation with John and Deb, you know, growing up since I was probably 10 years old, but Natalie's just a little bit, just a little bit older than me. And so, uh, she was never around when we go on these vacations. She was always off doing her own thing. I've been probably on five, six vacations with John and Deb. 
and so growing up, I always knew of Natalie, but I never was really in the same room with her. Um, so then fast forward, I'm out in Arizona and she messages me on Facebook and says, Hey, I'm randomly said, Hey, I'm coming out there for a bachelorette party. We knew each other through our parents, but we just had never like spent one-on-one time together. And she reached out on Facebook said, I'm going to come out there for a bachelorette party. Like we should grab drinks. And I'm like, absolutely. We should grab drinks. She, whenever it'd be like, if you're watching, um, the Sandlot, you know, Sandlot, you know, squints and Wendy peppercorn. And he like fakes that he's drowning in the pool. So then Wendy will come over and he can like, she does mouth to mouth on him. It was like that growing up. (laughs) So anyway, she hit me up and we, we ended up talking for four hours over some drinks and, uh, kind of the rest is history. She ended up coming out probably every other weekend to at least once a month. Um, we did long distance for about two years and then I finally moved back here once we were engaged. Okay. And then I know based on COVID, you, you said you guys were going to get married in October, didn't work out. Um, instead, have, have had to move that to April, I guess. How did that go over? Or did you guys kind of know that was going to happen? Or was that one of those those things that, I guess, just kind of happened based on the place you wanted to be wasn't even available? Yeah, like once once Arizona ended up being like basically ground zero for COVID, we kind of just looked at each other like, all right our, our, uh, the place that we we're having our venue was still allowing us to do it. And since it's a private venue, we were allowed to not have masks if we didn't want to, but at the end of the day, we just don't want to, not everyone maybe thinks the way that we do. Yep. And so we just thought that we should probably push it back. And it ended up really being a blessing because I moved here. We were in her apartment for a little bit. We ended up, we both bought a house together. Um, I was just starting my new job, which I'm finally starting to like feel good with the team here and ever all of our personalities are starting to mesh. So I think it would have been, um, it would have been great, but it definitely would have been a little bit of a whirlwind. Like I would have just been jumping on the plane. Like, all right, here we go. Where now we can all take a deep breath. We settle into our house, good vibes with my team here at work. And um, now we can just look forward to April. Couple more questions here, Adam. We're going to wrap it up with you. I do once again appreciate you joining us on here. First one is kind of being a Charleston kid, growing up around Eastern, now not here anymore. What is maybe the one thing, don't say mom and dad, that you miss about Charleston? Oh my gosh. I actually miss the heck out of Charleston. I would move there if we were able to. If the stars aligned, I would definitely move back to Charleston. And you appreciate it so much more once you leave. You know, like now that I've been gone for five years, almost six years, when I go back and visit, especially in the summer, and I know it's like amazing the summer, I'm like, I could definitely live here. Um, probably just the freedom, I would say, the freedom of Charleston. And last time we went home, my dad had just got one of those uh, side-by-sides, like those razors, you know, the Polaris razors. And I think that we drove that thing around for four hours straight, just on the country roads, it's not busy. You can get around whatever you want. It's not lawless by any means, but like you do, there's just a lot of freedom to Charleston. And I, I definitely miss and enjoy that. Okay. And probably the, the five minute or 10 minute commute you would have at the max to get to work. It probably doesn't hurt either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember Taylor Duncan, obviously, you know him. Yep. Uh, he was my roommate freshman and sophomore year in the dorms. I remember we used to look at each other when we'd talk about going to Buffalo Wild Wings and we'd be like, 
all the way in that too. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that for Sunday's game? Like, that's a long drive, man. And it's like 10 minutes away, you know? <laughs> it's yeah, funny it's- to look back at those times growing up in Charleston thinking that that was such a long drive. Yeah, it's amazing where you live puts a perspective on your your, your time and how valuable that, that ends up being. And then kind Absolutely. of a- – my final question for you is just kind of favorite memory you had as a as as a player here at Eastern, and it may be a game, it may be a catch, maybe a um, a collective type thing. Just kind of that would sum up if you somebody said, "Hey, what do you remember most about playing, or what stands out to you? What what would that be?" I would probably say my going into my junior year that camp um, because it was a we had briefly went over it before. There was a lot of um, corrections from coach Baber to me and there it was there was not a lot of positive going on and I remember even calling John at the time because he was definitely a mentor telling him that I was going to quit you know like this isn't worth it and my dad even had a scuff on the field at one point and said listen you should quit you don't need this you don't need to play this game you don't need to you don't need a scholarship you know like I'll support you which was really nice of him um and I ended up sticking with it. And, and John Smith was the one who told me to definitely give it one more year, at least to give it one more year. And so following those conversations is when I went through that next summer of camp with Coach Babers. And um, he kind of fine-tuned me. And at the end of that camp, he, him and I had a pretty deep conversation. He stood me up in front of the whole team and kind of took back, not took back all the times that he was yelling at me, but said like, whenever you shine, when you shine something up, it can look like this and gave kind of gave us both credit for his coaching and the work that I put in. That was definitely a turning moment for me whenever I wanted to quit. And then fast forward six months later, and it was purely work. It wasn't that I like got any faster or stronger or anything like that. So um, that was definitely a learning moment and probably something that I'll cherish forever. All right. Well, once again, congratulations on, on your Hall of Fame induction, Adam. I appreciate you joining us here, and congratulations on the, the engagement. I'm not sure the, the wedding. We're, we're hoping to have the, the ceremony sometime in the, the spring for Hall of Fame, and I um, don't know if you'll be a Hall of Famer as you, before you get married or after you get married. I'm not, not sure the exact <laughs> date there, but hopefully the, those will both be momentous things for you coming up here in the spring of 2021. Yeah, no, I look forward to, forward to it. And- Either way, the date doesn't matter to me. I know it's going to happen, and I'm I'm honored to to be in that lineup. So thank you, and I, I appreciate you uh, getting on the phone with me. Thank you, Adam. Thank you.